This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a Thursday afternoon show. Picking out the cobwebs after a wild, wild day yesterday and probably a good sleep for everyone that was uh, was grinding yesterday on the free agency beat. Uh, great to have you all with us. Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. We've got a great show coming up today. Mike Zeisberger is going to join us in 15 or 20. We'll uh, go around the National Hockey League, get Zeiss's take on some of the moves that happened all around the league and then we'll focus in on the Winnipeg Jets with our good friend Marana Tesh of The Athletic. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you by our great family of sponsors. Big shout out to our newest sponsor, Paramount Services Limited, along with Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Welcome to everybody that is with us in the chat right now, live on YouTube. And shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. Yesterday's podcast was a banger, a double episode, if you will. We went four hours from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And should mention to everyone, if you're in with us right now and maybe you popped in and didn't realize we did the long show, for you people that watch us on YouTube, hit that bell. Uh, You'll get notifications when we go live um, so in the event that we go on early or like we did, you know, back on May long weekend when the jets were in the playoffs and fired up shows on Saturday and Sunday of the long weekend, uh, you'll just get a little notification that, uh, that your boys are live on WST. So you won't miss it. Anyways, great to see everybody in the chat right now. Let's welcome in Michael Remus to get things going after, uh, what was uh, a wild day. And listen, we've still got more things to talk about from last night, as well as today in the national hockey league. Although I don't think anything is going to compare to the player movement. We saw when things got open yesterday at 11 AM central Remo, what's going on. Hey, I'm here. I'm just trying to keep track of more signings coming in. We've had a couple today, Corey Perry going to, um, sort of going to Tampa. Hey, if you can't beat him, join him. Losing in the cup final to Tampa two years in a row, he gets a nice two-year deal. And then uh, Brandon Saad was the big one, going to the Blues, getting a five-year deal from them, $4.5 million AAV. And you have to wonder, is Vladimir Tarasenko's days in St. Louis numbered? I saw an article in The Athletic saying the price for him has been steadily uh, dropping as teams look to fill their <laughs> you holes. You don't say. <laughs> so I think that's a big, big error there by um, by uh, by St. Louis. But, I mean, I, you can't really judge until something happens. Maybe someone swoops in and does make a good offer. We're still waiting on the Islanders to do something. I thought maybe they would look to add, replace Jordan e- Eberle. I mean, they freed up the lad money, too. So... There's room. There's room there. I think there would be a fit, but I don't think they they really did anything. The Islanders and they, you know, they were so close to the Cup final last year. Uh, apparently, they're in talks with Zach Parisi, and I think it's oh, right. quite likely yeah. that Kyle Palmieri is going to come back. And of course, Palmieri and Zajac were acquired at the deadline um, to bolster their playoff hopes, and they did nothing in the regular season, but then came up big in the playoffs. And, you know, Travis Zajac is another interesting name um, that, you know, we thought you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the Jets fill out their, the bottom of their roster right now. Um, Matthew Perot is still out there, but when you think Nate Thompson is gone, Trevor Lewis is gone, Mason Appleton is gone, 
um, you know, some players that played some pretty big minutes. Now, it is logical to assume that Jansen Harkins, Christian Veselainen here in Winnipeg, uh, will get the opportunity to jump into the lineup. Certainly David Gustafson, I think most of us expect Gus to have a, a role in that opening night lineup, probably centering the fourth line. But these next few days, Raymond, we're seeing it already. And Tampa, you know, being the Stanley Cup champs with their cap situation, pretty nice spot to play. Um, they're seemingly getting the pick of the crop at uh, the value village or the swap meet, if you will. Zach Bogosian signs there for three years. Brian Elliott signs a one-year deal at 900K. And as you mentioned, Corey Perry signing in Tampa as well. They're rounding out their roster with, uh, it, it's almost like building a DraftKings lineup, Remus. Uh, you know, we always talk about the low-dollar ballers. Well, that's exactly what Julian Breezebaugh is loading up right now on uh, his back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champion squad. But the majority of the signings going forward, I think, are going to be those short-term, low-dollar contracts that we've been, you know, expecting as the money squeezed out of the market. And there's a number of, you know, quality National Hockey Leaguers in the middle to bottom of lineups waiting to see if they've got a deal for the upcoming season. Yeah, and the one name that I know a lot of Jets fans have already seen him mention in the chat, Matthew Perot. I thought he was very, you know, he's been part of the Jets. You know, I think I still think of him as a Washington Capital and, and you know, put Anaheim Duck. But really, he's been, I think, here for seven years. Um, you know, he signed that four-year deal. He's making $4 million per free agent now. I mean, what's what's he going to get? I know, you know he can, can contribute to a team. He spent a lot of time on the fourth line. Very, very effective fourth line player. Was pretty good when asked to move up to the third line as well. Um, you know, he plays power play, too. Um, I think, you know, I think he could definitely help a team. He's probably waiting for that right offer where, you know, there's playing time and money. So we'll see with Matthew Pro. But I mean, if you're Tampa, I mean, that's how easy it is to sign guys. Huss, when one, you're the two time defending, defending Stanley Cup champion. Everyone wants to play for a winner. But also, I think, um, you know, the no state income tax does play a factor in, in uh, being able to attract guys. So uh, Corey Perry looking for the two year deal. I know he wanted he's saying he wanted some security. And I, there were maybe some conversations. I think he was having with like some players and John Cooper after the final. And you thought maybe, you know, maybe something uh, was in the works there. I don't know if it was or not, but uh, hey, he's part of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And another reason, Hus, to hate Tampa Bay if you didn't have uh, what eighteen million of them already. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, great to see everyone in chat. Um, hey, Manitoba Small Town Drive-ins review is here. What's up, Ko? Oh, great to see you that, here. And it, that it, sounds it, like it, my kind of account. I got to check that I, out. I can't believe you haven't seen it. Uh, no. My pal Carrie started up. Check it out on Facebook as well as the YouTube I'm channel. I'm in. It's popped around. It's it's turned out to be very popular. In fact, we should drive some people. If you were like us, in fact, yeah. maybe sometime during August, like on a Friday afternoon on one of the slower shows where there's not a lot going on, <laughs> maybe we'll do, we'll get like a power poll of yeah. From the expert of the top drive-ins to well, hit over the course of the weekend. Um, I'll I, I, I did that myself. I mean, during the lockdown when there was nothing to do and I just needed to get out of my place. Sometimes I, my favorite spot is Sonia stand. I would just drive to Henderson and drive straight until it ended. And then you're there. I don't know. I mean, there's no disrespect to Skinner's. That's an institution out there in Lockport, but I have to say, and this is not spawn. Sonia Stand, one of the great burgers in Manitoba. Amazing fries, mm -hmm. awesome milkshakes. Um, but yeah, check out the site, Manitoba Small Town Drive-Ins Reviews. I mean, The reason I brought this up is because he actually made a pertinent point to what we were talking about, which, of course, is free agency in the Winnipeg Jets. And he said, the fact 85 hasn't signed anywhere 
tells me the Jets are in talks with him. I, I would certainly imagine that they would be speaking with him. And listen, they have some serious limitations as to what they can pay players in that role with the money that they've taken on on the blue line. But I don't think for a second that they wouldn't like to have Matthew Pearl back at, you know, what would be a market value contract for a player at his age, which is probably in the one to one and a half million dollar range. Certainly don't blame Matthew Pearl for seeing if he's got more money out there. I mean, he doesn't have many more opportunities to sign contracts in the National Hockey League. But I also think, Remus, that given maybe a similar offer from another team, what the Jets have done over the last couple of days improving the blue line, I think makes it a much more attractive place to play, even for a guy that's been here like Matthew Perot, who has kind of been through the growth spurts, the ups and downs over the last few years. And I would imagine he, like many of the veteran players on the Jets, pretty darn excited about the potential for this team going forward after what Kevin shoveldayoff has been able to do the last few days. Yeah, he was seemed pretty happy. Yes. I think Chevy... Um his approval rating is like through the roof right now. And you look at some of the contracts that, uh, that were signed yesterday. You know, we talked about Tucker Pullman getting a four year deal for two and a half per and Derek Forbort getting a three year deal for 3 million per. I mean, the upgrades of getting Brendan Dillon, who's got basically a three year, you know, 3.9 million AV contract and Nate Schmidt. He's four years. Uh, I think it was close to 6 million. So I, I think, you know, th- these are major upgrades and these are like second pair D and they're going for, instead of grabbing like one Dougie Hamilton, they're getting, you know, two, you know, pretty solid number two, possibly number, number one, a guy, you know, off you get your offensive guy in Schmidt who can play the power play, you know, skate, move the puck and you get your big, you know, your big heavy defenseman who can play defense, kill penalties, block shots and Brendan Dillon. And I think these are a great compliment to um, DeMello, Pionk, and Morrissey. And then you just have that one spot for Logan Stanley and, or, you know, whoever whoever else you think, Bullyu or uh, Hainala. I mean, it doesn't matter. And then, look, if Dylan DeMello gets hurt or, or again or someone gets hurt, I'm saying DeMello because we saw, you know, how much affected him in the playoffs, you're not totally screwed because you have depth with these young guys that I'm, I'm assuming will start um, in the AHL. So, uh, I think they're really set up well, and we'll have to wait. I'm not closing the book on the uh, on the forwards. I mean, we have to wait to see what happens with Andrew Kopp for sure. And then maybe there is some veteran out there that they can sign, and you know, maybe Perot decides, you know what, I actually like it in Winnipeg, and I'm want to take a pay cut, and and let's so let's do it again. Yeah, uh, Perot's not getting anywhere close to the four million he was making, but. Um, and, and, you know, Mitch, uh, Winnipeg Hockey Talk makes a good point. I mean, the longer Matthew Pro is unsigned, the cheaper he gets. I mean, listen, I, I think that the, the market is pretty much established right now. Darren Helm was a guy, I'm not sure if we mentioned this, or we talked about it off air before we started, but Helm just signed a one-year deal today uh, for $1 million. Was that with the Avs, Reem? Helm? Um, yeah, with the Avs, $1 million, yeah. So the Avalanche, and hey, you know, you're taking a million bucks, but you're going to a Stanley Cup contender. But for Matthew Perot, I'm, if the money's going to be the same, um, I'm not sure that there's a better opportunity for him to you know, continue to do what he's been doing than playing here in Winnipeg. Because Paul Maurice does like him. He'll certainly be able to play. And uh, I think as KO uh, just mentioned, you know, if you had a fourth line of Matthew Perot, Dominic, Dominic Toninato, and David Gustafson, I think that'd be a pretty good line to start off the season with. You know, you'd want to have another player or two that you could put in there. Now, 
does that mean Jansen Harkins is playing up in the Mason Appleton spot? Where's Christian Veselainen? You know, you've got those players in the mix for it. But I'll tell you what, on a value deal, I think Matthew Pro coming back would be a good move for the Winnipeg Jets. But Rima, no one's going to blame him if for some reason an NHL GM says, Matthew Perot, here's two million bucks or here's a two-year deal. No one would begrudge him from taking it. But I have a feeling sometimes the grass isn't greener and the opportunity for Matthew Pro to stay as a Winnipeg Jet might be the most attractive to him. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes, look, you you don't want to pick up and move. And I mean, he's one of many, you know, forwards that are still out there. Um, You mentioned Zajac. Interesting one that I was just looking at. Thomas Tatar is the one that you know all the uh, analytics guys love. Like, uh, maybe wasn't used properly in Montreal. You know he can contribute. Uh, I see. Here's Perot- the thing about yeah. Tatar, you know, that sucks for Tatar, is the fact that free agency happens right after the playoffs. Yeah. Because Thomas Tatar in the regular season, I was looking at some numbers today. Over the past five or six seasons, he's right up there, you know, amongst the top 10 or 15 players in the league and five on five points. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the playoffs and he disappears and often isn't even in the lineup. It happened this year and it happened in 2018, if you all remember. And of course, it was finally, I think, didn't he get put back in the lineup after being out for about three weeks and score against the Jets? And I think that was his one contribution to Vegas's run to the cup final. So NHL GM, recency bias is a real thing. We're talking about fans and I think certainly for general managers. And if the last thing you remember of a player, despite the fact that he did some good things in the regular season, is that he was in the press box as your team made a run to the cup final, not a really good look and probably makes it problematic for an agent that's trying to squeeze what he believes to be a market value deal out of an NHL GM. Yeah, I agree. So I'm just um, texting with uh, Mike Zeisberger uh, trying to sort out uh, how we're going to do this 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 uh, interview coming up. But yeah, Tatar, I mean, I agree, great in the regular season. And we saw this year more clear than ever that playoff hockey has a different game than uh, regular season hockey. So uh, there are, again, a number of guys. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, Palmieri. And I'm curious, what, you know, will the Jets go and sign a guy who is Eric Stahl? He's still out there. Um, so there are, there are some veteran guys, and they're trying to get, uh, you know, and if your team getting a low low dollar, the one guy I like Hus hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, he's kind of bounced around Boston, Anaheim. Andre uh, Kasha, I think he's a solid player. He's got you know he's productive when healthy. Um, we will wait and see. Uh, he'll get more. He'll, I think he's young enough that he'll get yeah. more than the one year deal at a league minimum. I mean, he's probably working with the few he's twenty five. Right yeah, I could see the Kraken jumping at, a, at you know taking a, a chance on a guy like that. We talked about the Wenberg signing yesterday, and I mean, I realize it's four and a half million dollars a year, but it was only a three-year term, unlike many of these longer deals. And Wenberg being 26, it would take him to 29. If he has three strong years, you know, you can re-sign a long-term deal, stay in Seattle the rest of your contract, or I think the opportunity that'll be given to him in Seattle that wasn't given in Florida will give him the opportunity to certainly put up some bigger numbers, have some more personal success, and you know, for the individuals, a former first rounder now in a spot that you know, he'll really be given a chance to shine. That might be good for him in the long run. Now, just looking at the YouTube chat, everyone, in addition to all your great takes on uh, rural drive-ins that people should be going to, hopefully KO is taking some notes, although he's probably been to most of them already. I would like to ask you about Andrew Kopp. And it's a very simple question. Just put put Just put the number into the chat. What do you think the percentage chances that Andrew Kopp 
is a Winnipeg Jet and in a Winnipeg Jet jersey in the first game of the season. Are you 50-50? Is it 90-10? Is the fact that they took on almost $10 million in cap space with the two ads on the blue line, uh, you know, has that diminished it? I do think it's going to make it harder, but I also do think Andrew Kopp is a priority for the Winnipeg Jets. And yeah, it's going to come down to a couple of things. Obviously, money in term. I mean, that goes without saying. Um, but also, I do sort of wonder. Like, I've said this before, but I think this is a great time. If Andrew Kopp does like being a Winnipeg Jet and he wants to be part of this team going forward, he feels he's been such a part of the to get to this point and feels like it's going to be a contender and wants to stay. No better time for him to sign a long-term extension considering he's just coming off a career year. There is the risk of betting on yourself on a one-year deal or going to arbitration and going to unrestricted free agency next year, you know, depending on what this lineup looks like and where he plays. I mean, he had a lot of opportunity in the top six last year, played a lot of power play. Is that the case this season? I don't think there's any guarantees about that. So it might make sense for Cop to ink that long-term deal. But again, the Jets are only going to be able to sign a deal that makes sense for them as well. There is some conjecture, Remo, or some speculation that, you know, now that free agency has settled down, we might see some subsequent trades, potentially of players that are RFAs like an Andrew Kopp. And, you know, losing Kopp would be a blow to the middle six, absolutely. But depending on what came back, I mean, if you were just getting back like a prospect and maybe a couple picks, recouping picks that you gave out to get the blue line, I think people could live with that. But it doesn't replace Andrew Kopp and how important he's been in the lineup. And, you know, is he a second line center? Is he a top six player? We can debate all of that. But he's stepped up when the teams needed him uh, to do. He's played in all situations. And I'll tell you what, if Andrew Kopp isn't a Winnipeg Jet next year, that will be a significant hole to fill. And to be honest, that third line, which was so good with Appleton and Kopp on the sides of Adam Lowry, all of a sudden looks completely different next year if number nine isn't in the mix. Yeah, we know how good um, Mason Appleton was before and how they were been such a good trio. And, you know, before it was, what, Tanev in there. I mean, if you lose Kopp too, that is a, a big remaking of your bottom six. So... And someone asked me earlier today, uh, you know, what do you think of Perfetti's chances are, you know, starting with the Jets? And I was like, well, I mean, you kind of have to wait and see what happens here with Andrew Kopp. I mean, if Kopp comes back, definitely. I, I mean, I think his chances just based on the way the organization goes, they like to take their time. You'd probably start in the A. But I mean, if there's no Kopp, maybe you do give, maybe the team does want to give him a look. But I think you got to wait and see. So I did put a poll in the chat. Uh, will Andrew Kopp be a Jet next season? We've already got 83, 85 votes now. 61% of people say yes. 39% say no. So there are some people. Um, do you think, you know, maybe he's priced himself out or he's, you know, the Jets have spent elsewhere and, uh, and they're going, going with, you know, the, uh, what the big spending on D and, you know, you got to make concessions elsewhere. Like we've seen backup goalie for now and we'll see what happens with Kopp. Yeah. Let's see some of these numbers. I mean, we've got some hot takes. Mark Sports Video, 0%. I'm going to go higher than zero. Just, I'm just saying right now. A lot of 50s. Stone Cold Jay Buhner, 90%. Uh, BA's at 50. Wrench Deucer's at 35. Yola, 75. Bullets, 20. We got a 50. Rob Mahoney, is, he's with Mark Sports Video. He's on the zero train. Do we have any hundreds? If we've got zeros, are there anybody that's on the other side of things that's on 100? 50, 65, 60, 
Um, it, it, the reason I asked this, Remus, is because I've talked to some other people throughout the last yeah. you know 24 hours. And when you ask them that question, very similar to our chat, the numbers are all over the place. Some people feel it's a foregone conclusion. The Jets won't lose Andrew Kopp. He'll be back next season, whether it's a short-term deal or a long-term deal. And others are thinking that now with the cap challenges that they're dealing with, that you know we'll have a situation um, that Andrew Kopp might end up uh, going elsewhere. Um, so anyways, it's very, very interesting. We will get to that with Marat a little bit later on. And we will also kick around the uh, challenges for Larry Simmons, uh, the capologist, and Kevin Sheveldayoff after the two big acquisitions this week and talk a little bit more with Murat about maybe some targets for the Winnipeg Jets as to try and round out their lineup um, as well as what it's going to cost to get their three RFAs signed if they do sign them all in Andrew Kopp, Neil Pionk, and Logan Stanley. We're going to hook up with Mike Zeisberger in just a couple minutes. Um, before we do that, do you want to shout out our newest sponsor, Paramount Services Limited? Paramount Services is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada. And they are going 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for the past 28 years. If you or your business are looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler surprise for your business or property in Western Canada, give them a call and ask for Carrie O'Brien, or you can visit their website at paramountservicesltd.com for more information. And, you know, in this market as well, I mean, they're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. Um, so if you uh, if you are someone that has those skills or certainly would like to develop them, you can go to our sponsor page and click on Paramount Services. It'll take you right to the career page that we're showing you on YouTube right now. Um, but as I said, if you're listening on the podcast and uh, you're in that biz or would like to get into it, talk to them about a career with Paramount Services. They're looking for qualified people right now. And it's all available there at ParamountServicesLTD.com. Or you can give them a call. Ask for Carrie O'Brien. Big thanks to uh, Paramount for coming on with us. Great to have them on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we've got so much going on. I'm going to talk a little bit of soccer at the end of the program. A couple big matches for Canada coming out of that incredible run at Euro. And it got me thinking about soccer jerseys, which I love, which then got me thinking about other licensed merch, including bomber merch for next week. And it means I think I might need to take a trip down to Royal Sports because Royal Sports, as you all know, is the superstore when it comes to everything sports and licensed merchandise in the city of Winnipeg. But it's so much more than just the best selection of Jets and Bomber gear in the city, as well as NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, worldwide soccer merch. Uh, they're also the superstore for the athletes. Um, the greatest selection when it comes to hockey with hockey players and hockey experts working there, getting ready for the season, soccer, baseball, and more. And don't forget the expanded bike section, the new fitness section, camping gear as well, and all the cool stuff on the other side at King Skate, Snow, and Surf. And by the way, if you've got a hockey player in the family that's looking for a great job, talk to them. They're uh, certainly adding to the staff as they get ready for hockey season. You can find them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for more information and uh, cheers to our pal Nick and uh, his lovely wife, Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group, you know, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ 
Polo Park and the DQ on St. Anne's, serving up those amazing ultimate grill burgers, wonderful chicken fingers, and most importantly, the best ice cream around. Pop in for a Kit Kat blizzard, maybe a drumstick blizzard tonight, my personal favorite. Or if you're getting ready for the long weekend, be the hero at the next gathering you have and uh, bring one of those delicious DQ cakes. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can get your order in advance and pop by one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs to pick it up. Big thanks to uh, NNN for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily from day one. All right, Murata Tesh coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Remo, uh, how's our progress with uh, our pal Zeiss going? I'm going to phone him right now. All right, sounds good. So Remo's going to get Zeiss uh, up on the horn. Of course, Mike Zeisberger from NHL.com, a longtime friend of the program, uh, would come on uh, the afternoon ride, H&L back in the day, off in the warm-up. And uh, Zeiss, I'm very interested to hear Zeiss' take on exactly what we've seen over the course of the last week because he's been covering this game and this sport for a lot longer than I have. But I was racking my brain talking to Steinberg yesterday on Sportsnet 960 all afternoon after we were done here. It's hard to hard to compare a, 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 a period of time in the National Hockey League. Like there's been some crazy free agent periods where tons of people, you know, got paid. But when you add in some of the bizarre trades, the no returns, a Vesna Trophy winner traded for essentially nothing, um, it has been a very weird new era of player movement in the National Hockey League. So we'll look forward to getting to that uh, coming up with Zeiss in just a few minutes. And then, as always, we've got Murat Tesh coming up at about uh, 145, 150 or so if you're joining us live on YouTube. And we'll uh, break it down where the Jets stand right now, heading into the rest of this offseason, what needs to be done, how much it's going to cost, and what else is out there for Kevin Sheveldayoff going forward. Um, all right, I think we are just about ready to go. Let's uh, welcome in the Z-Man himself, Mike Zeisberger from NHL.com, back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Zeiss, great to have you back on the program. Uh, your head stopped spinning from the last week or what? Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, I've had some technical glitches at my end. So, uh, for those watching on YouTube, I've never looked so good. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, uh, my my bald head has been spinning uh, with what's gone on in the National Hockey League. Uh, some crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, I got to say, I, I'd like, uh, you know, um, to, to you know, address first off, because uh, I, 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 I know the people that are feeding me on this show. Uh, I got to say, I like what uh, Chevy did with the Jets, uh, you know, um, he knew what the Achilles heel of this team was. Uh, I think he made some uh, really good additions on the back end. And re-signing uh, Stastny was big because, it, it, it you know, uh, depth up the middle, we all know how important that is. So uh, I've got to say that if I look at what um, certain teams have done in the past week, uh, I've got to say that the, the Jets are up there, and I didn't know if they could uh, get it done to this extent. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying plan the parade at the uh, main, you know, Portage in Maine. But uh, like I said, I really, really like what the Jets did. Well, you, you know, the uh, you know, when they're doing elections, they have the public approval ratings, Ice. I can yep. tell you 
I can tell you that Kevin Sheveldayoff's public approval rating has skyrocketed in Winnipeg. And, and listen, he had a lot of support from, I think, uh, I would say the majority of Winnipeg Jet fans. But in any market, especially a market like this that cares so much about their team, there's always pressure to improve. And for the general manager coming out of that season the way that it ended, it was pretty clear where they needed to address. And maybe a little bit more difficult doing it in Winnipeg, especially if you're thinking that you have to do it via free agency. But I agree with well, you I think, wholeheartedly. I think, you know, I and I think we you know, we've gone, you know, we've done uh, I've had the privilege of, of doing uh shows uh with you in, in your many reincarnations in Winnipeg and uh you know, through that time when we've talked about the league, you know, one of the most frustrating things and I I I think we can agree with this is is that you know, you sit back sometimes and it seems obvious with some of these teams what their issues are and what they need to address. And it's frustrating sometimes when see teams kind of getting stronger where they're already strong and not addressing their weaknesses. And, and it, it seems like a pretty black and white issue um, when you go into these things. Uh, it, you know, it, every team's got strengths and weaknesses and I'm simplifying things. But the fact that a lot of times the GMs don't address that uh, can be really frustrating at times. I mean, um, you know, I know there's a lot. Let's take Vegas, for example. I know there's a lot of controversy about Marc-Andre Fleury, okay? Aside from the fact that, you know, uh, he reportedly found out by Twitter, um, you know, we'll leave that to the Golden Knights to decide what happened behind the scenes there. But, okay. In a cap era, you don't need those two goalies, whether they got rid of the right one, um, whether Leonard or Fleury. I mean, you can debate that all you want, but this is a team that was pushed so tightly up against the cap after signing Peter Angelo last year that down the stretch, there were games where they couldn't dress a full lineup because of cap implications. And I, I really do think that it took its toll because when you watched them as that Montreal series um, kind of progressed, you could see that they were starting to run out of gas. I mean, that's a hell of a team in Vegas, but you know, the, 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 the cap implications ended up biting them in the, you know, what in the back of the hockey pants by, by the time all was said and done. And so they addressed the plate. You know what? We have to clear some cap space. We'll see if they address the center position, which is Achilles' heel. But you know, um, you, you can't you can't be too you can't be so strong in, in some areas, and you know, not address some of the other things. And that's a debate that's going on in Toronto too, where half your cap is, is taken up by four forwards. Um, and that's why you know, circling back, I think that Chevy did such a good job because I mean, yeah, it's obvious to us and all the Winnipeg fans, what the Achilles heel of this team was. But sometimes you got to give credit for, for a general manager addressing the obvious because it does not always happen in the National Hockey League. Well, and I'll say this, Ice. Um, you know, when we see the money that went to free agent defensemen yesterday and the quality of free agent de defensemen and what it cost... Um, and then you look at Brendan Dillon coming for three more years at $3.9 million and Nate Schmidt yeah. on a long-term deal at less than $6 million. 
I mean, Derek Forbort, who Dylan is a huge upgrade from, I think most people would agree, uh, just signed for three years at $3 million in Boston. Tucker Pullman yeah. got $10 million from the Vancouver Canucks. So there's serious inflation, and there was major demand, and for Dayoff to get it done before free agency for players, with the exception of maybe Dougie Hamilton, who, of course, cost $9 million, clearly better than anyone was on the market, I think, was the coup de grace for Dayoff. And yes, we will be raising an off-season champions banner a little later on in the show here on Winnipeg <laughs> Sports Talk. Um, we always joke about the off-season champs. We never thought that the Jets would be in that conversation, but uh, our pal Pierre Lebrun dropped it today in the athletic it was funny to see that and a lot of people have been very impressed and certainly the reaction here in winnipeg has been awesome for the moves and hearing we had dylan on the show yesterday brandon dylan and heard from nate schmidt yesterday and the personality the energy that he brings to the winnipeg jets i think is going to be something that maybe people outside the market wouldn't really understand how important that is to a team like winnipeg but i think it'll be uh, it'll be doubly great that schmidt acquisition for what he does within the dressing room and just the atmosphere around the team, bringing some energy exuberance and a lot of fun for uh, that 82-game season before things get real in the playoffs. Back to Vegas for a second, Zeiss. I have to ask you about the, the, the flurry thing. And, you know, he found out through Twitter. It seems like these deals are done. They make the trade call. And, like, by the time the phone is ringing in the NHL office, the insiders are tweeting out these picks. How is that happening? Does that come from the teams? I mean, do they have the phone tapped at NHL HQ? Um, because it does seem like in a lot of these cases, the teams don't even have the opportunity to tell the players they've been traded. Well, maybe some of these teams should be phoning Lou Lamorello because, uh, you know, the, the Islanders, uh, you know, for what it's worth, nothing seems to get out of the Island. And I saw that. Well, that's because he hasn't um, done anything. Zeiss. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I think he's close on a couple of things, and it's been out there. But, um, you know, I, I mean, uh, deals can be agreed to in principle, okay? But there's a lot of bureaucracy that you have to go through in the NHL to finally get that, you know, final stamp of approval, make it official, yada, yada, yada. So the teams aren't going to release that um, until it is done. Um I, I personally think, and, and I, I know this for a fact because uh, I've been helped out by this on, on numerous occasions, but sometimes it's the agent that you might have a good relationship with. Sometimes it might be somebody in the front office or a scout or somebody affiliated with the team that, that you're good friends with, you know, um, I think one of the most classic lines I've heard in my career over and over again is don't tell anybody where it came from. And that's, that's <laughs> I'm sure that happened all over the league. So that's kind of where it happened. Um, I will say this: Alan Walsh was, was very, very quick to, to point out that that's how Mark Andre Fleury found out. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a little head scratching because I know how much, the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and especially Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Anybody that's ever met Bill Foley, um, you know, for all the money, you know, for all the money he's made uh, over the years, he is one of the most down-to-earth people you'd ever meet. It must have just torn at him that this decision was made um, because Marc-Andre Fleury was the, the face of that franchise. And, and 
you know, I know a lot of people thought uh, maybe Vegas should have gone after or, uh, Seattle should have gone after Carey Price the same way that uh, that the Vegas went after Flurry, um, kind of make him the face of the franchise. I, I think that uh, after free agency is done with the addition of Grubauer and Drieger, um, I think everybody agrees that that, that Seattle. Played their played it very very well the way that they did it, but you know, Carey Price didn't really need to be the face of the franchise in Seattle because even though it's an expansion market, um, there's been a lot of hockey, and I'm not going to bring up the Seattle Metropolitans going way way back. And no, I did not co- no I did not cover the Metropolitans, but they have a long lengthy. Um, See, by your laughter, I think you were contemplating whether I did or not. But uh, <laughs> no they, they got a long history of hockey and junior hockey in Seattle. They're only two and a half hours from Vancouver. So that's one thing. In Vegas, you know, I know there's been hockey there, but let's, let's face it. They were, you know, the NHL was putting a new footprint in the desert sands there. Um and, and, and Flurry was the, you know, it was the perfect storm, uh, you know, with his smile and the way that he played. He was the face of the franchise. He attracted fans on his own. So I know Bill Foley, it, it had to tear him up. Um, but, uh, you know, so when you hear about this kind of disconnect uh, about the trade, you just have to wonder if, you know, what happened here. I do not think that there was any maliciousness on either side year um and 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 it's unfortunate uh but in terms of appreciation uh by the by the vegas golden knights organization and bill foley to what mark andre Fleury brought to that that city the sport um in that community I, i don't think there's any lack of appreciation there no matter what happened no no a hundred percent um I do think I'm not convinced that Alan Walsh's act last year in the playoffs didn't maybe telegraph this or maybe push them more yeah. towards going with Robin Lehner um, as opposed to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, there's some baggage on that. And, you know, listen, when you do something like that, I think there's a danger to it that might hurt your client or maybe other clients. But the bottom line is that Marc-Andre Fleury is the Vezina Trophy winner, Zeiss, and he got traded for nothing. Yeah. No, uh, don't say that. He got traded for cap space. Okay. Which, you know, in, in the era of the flat cap. Okay. That seems to be the most coveted player on the market. It's not more Jack than the Eichel, top goaltender in the league. It's not South Seth Jones. It's cap space. <laughs> I mean, he won the Vesna trophy last year. And I, I got it. And it was nice that they 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 included a player just to say that there was somebody in the deal. They're not even taking them. They're leaving this guy with the Blackhawks AHL team. So I mean it, it the, the value of cap space is and let me ask you about that, Zeiss, because it has been the topic that is involved in every single conversation we have right let now. Let me interrupt in before, before we get to that. Do you really think he's going to the Chicago AHL team? I mean, I understand if they don't 
Uh, no, not Flurry, not Flurry. The guy, the guy that they included in the deal. I can't oh, even okay. remember his name. He was a okay, Blackhawks farmhand. You know, they put him in the trade, the and they Hawks, said some of the Blackhawks moves were a little befuddling to me, but I do like some of them. I mean, uh, you know, to add Seth Jones, uh, and we know, like, you know, that that coveted player cap space was involved in them getting Tyler Johnson uh, from Tampa, but I still think. Uh, T- Tyler is a serviceable player, as is Jake McCabe on the back end. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, and we'll get back to your point, but, uh, you know, Captain Cap Space just seems to be, like I said, the most coveted player uh, in the NHL these days. Well, and, and the guy that had the most of that outside of Ron Francis was Bill Armstrong down in Arizona, and it has been stunning to see the moves that they have made one after another they have literally chopped this thing down to the bone acquired a number of more young players and assets going forward but Zeiss on paper it really does seem like it is a race to the bottom right now between Arizona and Buffalo and maybe Columbus as well for all the players that they've gotten out Detroit's sort of been there for the last couple seasons uh, it's going to be amazing to see how bad some of these teams are. But again, this is all about that. E- either if you have the space and you're not going to win, maximize it to help you get better in the future. And we've seen some of the the lower teams in the league really embrace that. Maybe none more than Armstrong down in the desert. No, and Bill Armstrong had had no draft capital. Okay, when 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 he came in, uh, let's not forget that in the previous regime, he he'd been stripped of draft picks. Uh, or they had been stripped of draft picks because of uh, what the NHL deemed to be uh, prospect workouts that were against the rules. Um, so he kind of inherited that. They made no excuses about what they were trying to do. They needed some kind of draft capital, and I got to give Bill Armstrong credit. We'll have to see if any of the these draft, you know, the draft capital that he got and the players that they selected. Uh, how they pan out because if they don't um, it'll just be another implosion in a series of them uh, in the desert uh, since they moved there from Winnipeg. But um, you know, it's, it's something that they decided they, they had to do. Uh, they, they thought that their team had reached its, 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 its ceiling for now with the guys that were there and being able to move Ekman Larson. Hey, now, Look, I, I mean, I, a lot of I found it fascinating too with that Ekman Larson trade. Um, you know, uh, the forward that the Canucks got, I think, is 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 a guy that uh, you know not a lot of people know about because of where he played, but a very very good player. Um, you can chip jump in any time with his name. Uh, oh, Garland, Connor Garland, yeah, Connor Garland, yeah. and he just signed a yeah, deal. Yeah. What five years, right around five mil? I mean, that was the guy they wanted. They had to take OEL. He's going to be on the books for seven million dollars for a long time, and of course, all those other terrible contracts are now with a bunch of other really bad contracts in Arizona. Yeah. That move really yeah. did seem. I mean, that's a desperate general manager. Jim Benning knows that if this doesn't work this year, he's probably fired anyways. So, you know, you maybe you do risk a little bit of the future to try to get back to respectability right now. You just wonder how that's going to turn out. Well, look, at, I, I still, I think Ekman Larson still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, uh, 
you know, if, if you play in that Arizona situation as long as he has, and, you know, how many coaches and general managers and ownership groups have you gone through down there? Um, I think he's going to be revitalized in Vancouver. And I'll tell you what, the way that he plays, I think that, that Quinn Hughes is going to be the benefactor of, of this because I think he can learn a lot from Ekman Larson. And you talk about mortgaging the future, but he's also created some cap space, even with taking on Ekman Larson, because he's got to sign uh, Patterson and he's got to sign Hughes. And, and, you know, so it's not just for now, but it's for the future as well. Uh, those, those two guys I just mentioned are the future, but look at, I mean, uh, I know Alex Edler left, but it wasn't working on their back end. So when I look at, you know, uh, a Quinn Hughes and Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers back there, you've got three distinctively different players, but you know, I, I, I'm not so down on the finance, uh, you know, on the foundation of their back end and, and being able to shed Holpe. Um, yeah, they had to buy him out. That didn't work out. Um, but, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not as down on the Canucks as, as a lot of people are. I think that they probably came out better than uh, better through this, um, than a lot of people thought. And, Let's not forget, too, um, we can talk about prospects and, and, you know, for the California teams and how promising they are. But after the Vegas Golden Knights, um, would you not agree that that Pacific division is, is, is a free-for-all? I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that, that are going to be under 500. And after, after Vegas, I look at Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver as being the next tier. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm right in saying. I'm trying to get my divisions right. Hustler, Colorado's going back into the. Uh, yeah, Colorado uh, and Arizona are back in the central this year. So yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. California. So do you teams, not agree that after Kraken. Vegas, those three Canadian teams are the ones that have the best shot at playoffs? Uh, I'm definitely there on Edmonton and Calgary. I'm not there on Vancouver, to be honest with you. I mean, like the, okay. the losses on the blue line, um, Schmidt coming here, replacing them with what Hamannick and Tucker Pullman at some pretty significant dollars, which was somewhat stunning was, um, yeah, but I guess we will see. I just know that the pressure is absolutely on Jim Benning to get this team into that playoff spot because if it doesn't happen, I'm not sure if he's still around, and I think that was a big reason why we made that trade. Hey, Zeiss, before okay. we go, I have to ask yep. you, um, now it's the uh, the day after free agency. Are you like the rest of the big uh, big wigs already out at the cabin with the margarita going on? I mean, what's what's the rest of the summer like before you before we get to camp after Labor Day? No, uh, not not there yet. Um, uh, I took a wipeout, uh, in, in March and, uh, have had some so uh, shoulder issues. I was in a sling for a couple months. So, um, I'm going to get a shoulder scope, uh, just an exploratory, uh, because there's still some, some, some things ailing in there. And, uh, but the one thing is, is, is that's good hustler is that the, the arm is flexible enough and the shoulder that I'm still, I can still hoist my favorite beverage. 
<laughs> the 12 ounce curls are still in the workout regime. I there like it. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Zeiss, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Let's catch up again soon. Have a great summer. Hope the wing feels better and uh, enjoy a cold one for us here in the peg. Listen, thanks for having me on. And uh, listen, I expect in the next three, four weeks to be back on to have another one of those uh, summer activity drafts that I killed. last year in your previous incarnation despite the whining of some of the other people that were involved in that so you know what if you guys are up to the challenge let's do it and if not then that just confirms that i won you're the first the first entry zeiss you take care we'll definitely do that at some point soon have a great one and thanks for joining us on winnipeg sports talk today Thanks, pal. Be safe. <laughs> right on. There he is, the one and only Mike Zeisberger. Oh, God, I love Zeiss. What a beauty he is. Uh, you can check out his work at NHL.com, a uh, regular contributor on NHL XM Sirius Radio as well. All right, we're going to focus in on the Jets with our main man, Murata Tesh, coming up. Before we do that, big thanks to Not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. First company on board with us. Couldn't be more thankful for the support we've gotten from Trevor and his team. And if you're thinking about a new vehicle, why not get an incredible deal on a great ride from the great staff at Not Autocorp? See them at Waverly and McGilvery. You can check them out online at not.ca. If you're in a lease or a vehicle, they'll help you get max value through their very successful consignment program. And if you've got some servicing to do, Talk to their Red Seal technicians or maybe a full car detailing to get it looking like new. It's all there at Not Auto Corp. Go down and see them. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. Um, we also, you know, tomorrow, in fact, uh, check out our Instagram page because we've got something fun going into the long weekend with our friends at Little Brown Jug and Breezy Ben tomorrow. Before I tell you about that and direct you to it, don't forget the summer variety pack is available. We've got the summer lager. We have got the Hefeweizen, which is delicious. It's all there in the summer variety pack. I, after talking nonstop for eight hours, went uh, down to one of the patios down the st- uh, down the street, had uh, some 1919s last night. They were delicious. And right now, celebrating our 100th episode at the beginning of the week, Free delivery anywhere in the city on orders over $35. You need to use the promo code WST100. And that's all available at littlebrownjug.ca. And as I mentioned, we did this going into the last long weekend. We're going to do it again. We'll put out an Instagram contest. Make sure you go and enter. Make sure you're following us as well as the Little Brown Jug folks on Insta and Breezy Bend. And tomorrow, to finish up a wild week on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we'll do another Marlboro Race for that great prize, including a round of golf at Breezy Bend with carts, as well as some cold little brown jugs on the course, as well as afterwards on the 19th hole on the patio. And, uh, of course, Breezy Bend, our great golf sponsor. Cannot wait to get out there. So cool to have them and Little Brown Jug teaming up for this contest, which we'll do on the Sports Talk WPG Instagram page, and we'll get out there as well. I mentioned... Olympic golf started last night, got a chance to see quite a bit of it. And then there was a delay that went well into the evening. Step Straka is the leader right now. We'll get to some of the odds for round two a little bit later on when we hit the cool bet lines. But big thanks to Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about a home golfing home for you and your family next year, give them a buzz at Breezy Bend or check them out online at breezybend.ca. All right, let's uh, 
Let's welcome back Murata Tesh back to the peg. I see the base there. He's just reacquainting re, uh, himself with the peg. Welcome back. Uh, how are the travels? I was just complaining that you're talking about having beers on the local patio. And where's the uh, where's the invite for Murata Tesh? He's back in town. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's it's open. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. And you can get around. I think a lot of people will be doing that with a lot to talk about when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. Let's get right to it. What a wild week. Um, we knew there were some pretty significant uh, tasks for Kevin Dayoff. I don't think anyone could have imagined it working out as well as it did. Um, the the contracts that they took on seemed to work within the framework of the hockey club. And they gave away two second rounders and a third rounder, which is significant draft capital. But that is uh, your thoughts on just how this worked out. Because when I look at it, I mean, it, it almost, and certainly hearing from Jets fans over the last few days, it's almost beyond, I think, what most people expected was even possible for Shevel Dayoff to pull off. Well, you go two years since Dustin Bufflin's surprise departure and all of those departures on Winnipeg's defense, and you're, you're just piecemeal all the time. And you have Lucas Pisa, and you have Anthony Batetto, and you have these, everybody's doing the best they can, but those are the moves that you make. And then in 48 hours, in 24 hours, somebody needs the exact count on this, they go and get Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. And for the first time since the Jets were playing against the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup playoffs, every single Winnipeg Jets defenseman that you put on that death chart is playing in his element. However you draw it up, Winnipeg doesn't need to force defensemen above their pay grade, above their historical NHL success. And if you're a Jets fan, I would say be excited about that. Nate Schmidt is a great transition player. And yes, there are some doubts about how well he moved in Vancouver this year, but certainly um, I think the overall belief is this is a guy that can make that tape-to-tape pass and jump into the play. And Brendan Dillon, not just a stay-at-home guy, he can make that pass as well. And if you look at Winnipeg struggling to get zone time against Montreal, that starts in Winnipeg's end with the breakout. Defensemen putting people in good situations, working together with the forwards to move the puck up as a team with multiple waves. And when you have the stops that you're getting from Brendan Dillon, when you're getting the puck movement from Nate Schmidt, plus Josh Morrissey, plus Dylan DeMello, plus Neil Pionk, Logan Stanley the, as well in a home that, on that third pairing that'll be good for him, that puts everybody in a better suggest- position, pardon me. I think we're going to see great things from forwards like Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor as a direct result of this. Dylan is, we had Dylan on the program yesterday and he seemed excited to be here. And, you know, thinking back to, you know, his six, four, I mean, all the things that we talked about, wouldn't it be nice to have, he sort of brings in a package. And from my opinion on a very, very nice team friendly contract at less than $4 million for four more years. And it looks even better when you think about, I mean, Derek forward, Marat just signed for 3 million a year for three years with the Boston Bruins. And I would offer that's a very significant upgrade. The Schmidt trade is fascinating for me for a couple reasons. And you talked about what he brings, the transition game, you know, be able to take care of things in his own end, but also adding some things offensively. But I'm interested in your perspective on this. I almost think that his addition to the club helps as much in the dressing room, off the ice, as it does on the ice. And, you know, maybe that's a stretch, but... We heard him yesterday, the personality, the infectious energy that he brings, the fun that he brings in. From my perspective, at times when things haven't been going well for the Winnipeg Jets, that has been something that, um, you know, has been problematic. And we know Blake Wheeler is a great captain. He's a hard driver, incredibly serious, focused, older. 
it's tough for young players to come in and sort of be that guy. To have Schmidt, an established defenseman that is such a need for the Jets, come in and add that, to me, like, there's no chart for that. I don't think there's an analytic for that. But when it comes to team building, um, I think that Schmidt adds so much outside of what we'll be talking about in the X's and O's of what he does on the ice. What do you think? I think that that's an important thing. And I love it when it comes from a player who can play, right? Like, you know, Dustin Bufflin had it and he was a top pairing defenseman. Um, Nate Schmidt has it and he's a definite top four defenseman. He can play. This isn't somebody being brought on to play four minutes a night on the fourth line, press box duty, you know, a defenseman on the third pair or what have you. Yeah, it's this- not Anthony Batetto. It's not the director <laughs> of morale. And I love Batetto. He's one of my favorite guys to talk about. And he sort of is that guy. But to your point, it's way different when the guy is able to do that and is going to be leaned on for 22 or 23 minutes a night and is such an important part of the team. I believe that. I believe that combination is really important. And just in terms of the pecking order, who young guys look up to if the guy can also play. I mean, I honestly feel like the voice goes a little bit further too. Um, And for me, you heard Kevin Sheveldayoff say it. He said that, you know, his personality, it'll bring back a little bit of that Bufflin. You, you see it, Brendan Dillon's highly rated from a character perspective as well. Eric Comrie, certainly, like just a player the organization has loved and just beams with energy every time you talk to him. Paul Stastny, I mean, he was the one who was willing to not just address the cheat in Winnipeg's game this season to, to media in all sort of contexts, but do it in such a three-dimensional way where it wasn't a hot-button issue because he talked about it. It was just something that we could think about. And I think that that balance to a Blake Wheeler who has called himself, you know, he spits nails, I guess is the words that he used a whole bunch of times and have that group. I think that there's a real reason why why those types of characters are on Winnipeg's priority list in addition to their on-ice characteristics. So, yeah, I don't know what, you know, how many points that adds or what have you, but I do think it's something Winnipeg was looking for. And I think it's a great value that you could expect them to be able to, to, to take from those guys. Marat, you mentioned Eric Comrie. Uh, it was very interesting to hear Kevin Shoveldayoff speak yesterday that it's sort of time for him to get, you know, the opportunity to maybe slide into that backup role. The money wasn't there to keep Lauren Brassois, who got a nice deal and earned it, you know, in Vegas and good for him. I, I know a lot of people have, you know, the reaction to that has been, wait a second, Eric Comrie's not good enough. Um, I, I'll say this. I'm not convinced that he is. But I'm also not willing to say that he isn't. I mean, such a small sample size of games in the National Hockey League. And as I pointed this out with a, one of uh, with Paul Edmonds yesterday, if you think back to the last couple times that Eric Comrie got a start for the Winnipeg Jets, he was absolutely thrown to the wolves and had a team in front of him that, um, you know, didn't do anything to help out a young goaltender. I mean, we think about game 81 in 2019, the infamous buff smashing the stick game against Colorado. I mean, for a young guy to get killed out to dry, I mean, it was, it was ugly. And there was bad things happening with that team as well. I think back to that start in Columbus where the team just simply didn't show up. So I'm not willing to make a judgment on a young man after six games in the NHL with some pretty iffy play in front of him. All that being said, though, how much of a risk is it to you know, have a very unproven goalie at the National Hockey League level coming in, albeit at a number that works for the economics of the cap. Uh, and how much pressure does that put on Connor Hellebuck if that is the case going into next season? I think you framed it exactly perfectly. I'm not willing to write Eric Comrie off 
you know, small sample sizes are what they are. Um, you know, there's a certain shot against count that that really, with goaltending being a guessing game at the best of times with the analytics that we have, and, and I know that there's some really there's some really good work out there. It's tough to predict at the best of times. And then you look at not only a small sample size, but a very specific situation like what you've just described. You know, I'm not willing to write him off. I'm also not willing to say that he has a successful NHL track record and he's a surefire thing or anything like that. So it is absolutely a gamble that Winnipeg is making. There's a chance that they leave points on the table at the end of the year as a result of it. I mean, is it worth it when it's a a side effect of revamping the defense to the extent of Schmidt and Dylan and, and keeping Paul Stastny in the fold? Yeah, probably it is. Um, and it, it just has to be acknowledged as as that, a gamble. And Eric Comrie will seek to prove himself, the consistent reps with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, ideally a better defensive situation than he played in the games that you said. And then we'll see what the real Eric Comrie in the NA, at the NHL level can be. I'm not expecting him to go out there and be better than Laurent Brassois, to be honest with you, but we're going to get a real look. And for a lot of folks saying, well, oh, he can't possibly be the guy. He is absolutely the guy. Kevin Sheveldayoff has said it out loud. He makes 750K, which is important for the cap-constrained Winnipeg Jets all of a sudden. And he's not waivers exempt. So they're not going to promote Mikhail Burden or Arvid Holm just because they had a good training camp above giving Eric Comrie this chance. He's the guy. He's going to get every opportunity. And if they sacrifice points, then then so be it. Connor Hellebuck's going to be a workhorse, and hopefully he's a Vezina caliber goaltender once again. Yeah, and... If it doesn't work out well, I mean, we always know at the beginning of the season, there's a ton of goalies that, you know, are hitting the waiver wire. There's always an Anton Forsberg out there that might be able to come in and, you know, keep a seat warm for a little while. Beyond the net, and I wanted to bring that up just because that has been a topic. To me, the most interesting thing now is Andrew Kopp's situation. The Jets just added almost $10 million on the cap with the two acquisitions and nobody left the club. How does this change, if at all, the cop situation, Murad? And as we sit here the day after free agency, if you had to peg a number on a, the likelihood of Andrew Cop returning to the Winnipeg Jets next season, where are you at on that? I'm below 50-50, Huss. I got to say. And I think that everything is an option. I think long-term deals are an option. Kevin Shoveldayoff said that the ideal circumstance would be long-term deals for both Neil Pionk and Andrew Cop. But there's a lot of reasons to me why if I'm Andrew Cop. I'm sizing this situation up and wondering if the best fit is in Winnipeg because they hired another top six player, Paul Stastny. So you're coming off of a 58-point pace season, thinking of yourself as a top six player you produced. Uh, it's time to get paid. And now you're probably playing with Adam Lowry and a winger on a defensive line again because you have that skill set as well. That doesn't seem like the perfect situation to make hay from. And I know Andrew Kopp is a proud person. He wants to be valued in terms of ice time and put it in those positions as well. You're sitting on arbitration rights. Okay, cool. That's one thing. Unrestricted free agency around the corner. So what is it worth to you to give up your shot at unrestricted free agency to sign that long-term deal right now? And does Winnipeg have the cap space to even pay that? So if I'm him, I'm being patient, waiting for this long-term offer. And if it's not good enough, I'm saying, well, hey, I've got the arbitration hammer. We're going to play that out and, and see you in a, in a year from now, as much as it's a good fit for his skill set and the club. Like if this were just about the player, everybody would be happy. This would be great. But if I'm him, I'm sizing the situation up and going, well, you know, pay me, figure it out, or we'll see where we go. And then from Winnipeg's situation, I do expect that, They'll explore that that they have explored. They've poked around in terms of what an Andrew trade 
uh, Andrew Kopp trademark it might be like. And he is the way that you can make the cap situation work for everybody. He absolutely is. That's the one place. Another option may be to accept a one-year arbitration deal, which would be lower than his AAV on, an, on a long-term contract. But then you risk losing him for nothing and he becomes a playoff rental for yourself. So that's an awkward situation. I'm not sure that's highly palatable. So I don't know. I think that there's a few reasons to think that uh, that they'll they'll shop and they'll explore and they'll see. Because I think that you know moving his money would solve some problems for them, even if the ideal situation is a long-term fit. Yeah, and considering the season that Cop had last year, it was a career year. He got an incredible amount of opportunity, more than he had in the past because of certainly his play dictated a lot of that, but also injuries and situations. And listen, I'm Kurt Overhart, who is an experienced agent. I think I'm thinking that this is the time to get that long-term deal done. If it doesn't work in Winnipeg or they're not able to do it or willing to do it or whatever the case may be, is maybe that is what necessitate to trade where he goes and signs a long-term deal with somewhere else. And to be honest, I think from a trade perspective for the Winnipeg Jets, that might be the best case scenario, because if you have a team that's interested in committing to Andrew Kopp long-term, you would imagine that their willingness to pay a legit price to get Andrew Kopp would be there as well, Murat. Yeah, I got to echo you on the timing of it as well, because like I said, you know, pride is one thing. You know, Andrew Kopp, he hung with Ehlers and Stastny in a top six role and excelled. And so pride is one thing, but dollars is an entirely different situation. If they quote unquote bury him, it's still a good job on the third line with Adam Lowry and he's the checking line. He's not going to hit 58 points. He's not going to play at that offensive pace. And so, you know, whatever contract he would sign a year from now, probably not as inflated as what he's in position to get right now. So, I mean, if you're him, probably you know, that trade and sign situation from this summer might even be more appealing because you're worried about the kind of points you're going to leave on the table. Just look at Patrick Laine, forced to accept a one-year $7.5 million deal, whereas we were all thinking that if he stayed in Winnipeg this this year, you know, Stastny, Ehlers, the kind of points he would produce, just think about how much money he left on the table. Points and ice time, that's your ticket to, to, to money. And uh, if Andrew Kopp doesn't have that opportunity this year, well, next summer's contract wouldn't be as lucrative. Murat Atesh of The Athletic is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Murat, if you could, in as simple a terms as possible, because it's never easy when we're talking about the cap, update us on where the Winnipeg Jets are after these acquisitions. We know they have to sign, if these guys are all staying, they got to sign Cop, they got to sign Neil Pionk, and they got to sign Leo Logan Stanley. They're all restricted free agents. Cop, of course, has the arbitration hammer. Um, how tight is this situation right now for Kevin Cheveldayoff after the moves of this week? Oh, it's incredibly tight. This, this is why a, a goaltender like Eric Comrie at 750K is an extremely valuable player to the Winnipeg Jets. It's why a forward like Jansen Harkins without, you know, a bonus money on his contract, 725K, tremendous value to the Jets. It's why these like tweener type players like a Dominic Toninato may be fourth line players for the Winnipeg Jets. Why they signed AHL veterans last yesterday, pardon me. You know, this is insurance as well as it is AHL strength because every penny we're at that point where every penny is going to count and contracts may dictate some of those, you know, that third line right wing job, the fourth line job as well. Even with Brian Little on LTIR, you need a lot of league minimum contracts to make this team work because if my math is right, you're looking at somewhere between nine and a half and ten and a half million for Neil Pionk and, and Andrew Kopp at the end for long term deals. And if I'm Neil Pionk, I'm pointing at Josh Morrissey's money. 
And if I'm Andrew Kopp, I'm pointing at Zach Hyman's money. And, you know, where you where you go from there is, well, you're running out of money uh, in an awful hurry. So I think that it's a tremendously tight, penny-pinching, look for those cheap deals as much as possible situation. You mentioned Harkins, Dominic Toninato, who's signed, Thessalinen certainly in the mix. I mean, there are some players that I think are ready to challenge, if not be regulars in the lineup. All that being said, this is now bargain hunting time on the free agent market. Do you expect the Jets to add more NHL players? I mean, we talked a little bit about that, you know, the, the two-way deals, the AHL guys that'll come that if you need to call a guy up, he might be able to be there. But I mean, guys along the lines of the guys they signed last year, a Nate Thompson, a Trevor Lewis, guys that left yesterday in free agency to new spots. Yeah, I mean, the Jets have gone to that well. That's a great point, and I've written about it as well. Like that, before Thompson and Lewis, there was Matt, uh, Mark Letestu, and before Mark Letestu, there was Matt Hendricks. And this is something we've seen. The Winnipeg Jets like a veteran fourth line as much as possible. I think if if Matthew Perot were a 750k player, he'd be a surefire signing. But I think he'd be able to command a little bit more than that, and it becomes a little bit of an issue. Um, so you sort of begin to do this thing where you look at the veterans around the NHL who could be had in a flat cap environment for less than a million dollars, and you wonder because it's in Winnipeg's wheelhouse. And I can't name that player yet. I'm not sure who it would be um, until the day training camp starts. I'm not willing to write. Jason Harkins' name in ink or Christian Veselainen or whomever it may be. Harkins, I mean, um, not waivers exempt. I think he'll be on the NHL roster. I think that's a surefire thing. But where do these guys sit? Is David Gustafson a factor? What about Cole Perfetti? Probably not in my mind because he's got bonuses on his contract and the AHL is an option. All of this to say, until we have puck drop at camp and no fourth-line veterans like Thompson and Lewis and their ilk are signed, I will continue to believe that that's a possibility for confidence for the coach because of history, and it'll just be a matter of finding them at those league minimum deals. You mentioned Matthew Pro. To me, he's a very interesting situation. I I thought he played very well last year. Again, he was making a lot of money. It was the last year of a contract that was buying up UFA years. That's often how it goes. He's in a different situation now. He's part of that class that's getting squeezed right now by the lack of money available to pay these players. I would be shocked if there was a $2 million offer out there for Matthew Perot. So if it's a million or one and a quarter or something like that, is that something that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets to have him return? I got to tell you with what he did last year and the versatility he plays. I mean, if the price is right, I'd love to have Matthew Perot in my bottom six. Yeah, I I absolutely would, too. It it was a resurgent year for him in a lot of ways. And even in my training camp notes, I look back, you know, healthy, uh, rejuvenated. This guy was moving quickly and effectively from camp and then carried it into the into the season. The, The version of Winnipeg's third line with him and Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton actually outperformed the cop version this year. And that's just tenacity. That's all it is. I think it's just. Matthew Perot in fitness, in health, uh, being that spark plug player. And for me, all I think about with him is term. That's the only concern I have because I think that, yeah, one and a quarter, one, whatever that is, that's a great price for Matthew Perot based on what he brings. He's a plus player in your bottom six, not a guy that you just hope nothing happens with. Um, And the only thing I worry about is at 33 years old, the season before this excellent one, it was injury riddled. It wasn't nearly as effective. Where's that fastball going from him at this stage of his career? So for me, if it's a one-year deal, if it's a two-year deal and really quite cheap, 
that's a valuable, valuable player. If you get into term conversations with him, I mean, that might be a, might be a challenge to see a, a good bottom six player go uh, to someone else who can offer him more. If you're on the other side of 30 right now as a UFA and not signed yesterday, I don't know whether there's many multi-year deals out there. I mean, honestly, I think many of these guys are thinking, okay, I've got two or three teams interested in me. These guys are going to give me 850. These guys are going to give me a million. These guys are going to give me 1.2. But man, that team stinks. I mean, at a certain point, you're debating the money first and foremost. But a guy like Perot has made quite a bit of money. I'm sure he's in a pretty good spot going forward. And I'll say this, if I'm a guy like Perot and sees the moves that have taken place by Dale over the last few days, there's a big part of me going, do I want to leave now? If, of course, the opportunity, <laughs> if the opportunity to return is there, which I think at a reasonable rate would be there for Perot here to stay in Winnipeg. That's a great point, too. I mean, if, you, if you've been here through the last two years where, I mean, we're surviving and treading water and staying in the fight were the mantras, right? I mean... Hope Hellebuck steals a game. Hope some offensive superstar does something brilliant. And just recognize you're going to be buried in your own zone because of the way that you're built for large swaths of the game. And now you're here and you're sizing up Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon in this really strong top four, really strong top six. Top seven, if you're including Nathan Bowley or whoever may be that seven guy. Um, I think that's all I'm doing. I'm, not, I'm just nodding my head. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Why would you bail on this now if you've been through what you've been through? You're a parent. Uh, you, you have a, a life and a home situation set up in Winnipeg. I think security and opportunity may meet as long as that price is right. Because if you do sign Matthew Perot for 1.2, 1.3, you got to squeeze somewhere else. That's how tight it is. And does that mean um, that Nathan Beaulieu gets traded for a depth pick despite how much they love that player? Well, I'm not sure. Is, is that part of making space because cop is traded or something to that effect? Again, I'm not sure. Uh, but we're at that penny pinching point where that, even if it's a good fit, everything comes with the secondary shoe dropping. Um, have you thought at all about what a Stanley deal looks like? I would imagine it's going to be a, a bridge deal, a 2.1. I mean, Matt Lang said it's probably in and around one something, probably wouldn't be 2 million. Is that sort of like maybe one, one and a half, something that we would expect for Stanley considering, you know, he's just coming out of a, a, a rookie season that went well. But, I mean, there's not a lot of NHL track record to go and demand big money. And I just because of the situation, even if they might love to sign like an Alex Tux type deal early in a guy's career for long term, I just don't think that with the, the numbers don't work right now to have a number higher than that for Stanley next season. No, absolutely not. In my, in my opinion, it's, it's too fresh of a track record. You know, I've talked to agents who believe that like one stellar season might get a, gay, a guy paid, pardon me, but two back-to-back will. And so when it's just part of a season and it's stellar in a third-line role or actually above average in a third-pairing role, pardon me, not stellar, just good. We're we're all happy that this guy has made it. He's an NHL defenseman now. You know, great big plus-minus, decent shot metrics in an extremely sheltered third-pairing role. You don't break out the bank for a third-pairing defenseman. You absolutely don't. And as, as much as you project him, well, maybe then it does become a bridge deal where – you know, if he is who everybody hopes and, and wants him to be able to become, well, he'll show that to you in the next little while. And his time will come. Uh, his time will come if he becomes that player. But we're not looking at a guy who put up a tremendous amount of points. Those two goals against Montreal were a red herring. And I think just like will forever color our perception of a player that's really not an offensive dynamo. This is a guy that's just made it to the third pairing. And I don't think that you break the bank for that. 
Yeah, and, and, and as much as anything, I mean, you, the only reason you do that is if you think you could get, you know, if you're very confident that this guy's going to continue going up and you can get him at a certain thing that's going to keep you there that helps you in the long run. But as we've just discussed, I don't even think it's an option. And it's way less of an option now, even if they considered it after bringing in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon without having a bunch of salary go out the other way. Murat, what... Now that we've been through this crazy week and the Jets have done things a little differently than many of the others, but I mean, I've got to get your thoughts on free agency yesterday. What did you think about? We talked so much about all oh, cap space, cap space, and then Tucker Pullman gets 10 million bucks and Derek Forbert gets nine. I mean, how surprised were you with some of the numbers that we saw doled out to UFAs yesterday? Oh, extremely surprised. I, you mentioned earlier, I mean, Matthew Pro being part of a class of 30 plus player that's getting squeezed out in a flat, flat cap environment or some players squeezed out, some players just having their contracts compressed. And then you see players getting paid for the role they played, but not necessarily how well they played it. And that's no disrespect to two great humans. Tucker Pullman was one of my favorite Winnipeg Jets as a human being to talk to uh, since he became one. I mean, just such a humble, sweet human being, good family, all of those things. But I don't think anybody can argue that he flourished in the top four role. He merely played one and he's getting paid as if he succeeded, getting the term as if he uh, succeeded in, in that role instead of, you know, soundly outshot, outscored, all of those sorts of things. And, and Derek Forbert, the exact same thing. I mean, Winnipeg got him on a, at a great deal, played him in a top four role. It mostly worked until it didn't. And now three million per. I mean, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, and just like you said, $3 million per in that situation versus 3.9 for Brendan Dillon, who's a tremendous upgrade and comes with term and, and more of a track record of success in that top four role, well, I think you have to be pretty happy with who you got and who you didn't get, whatever you might have thought about the people involved. Uh, Murat, what did you think about the signings in Edmonton and Calgary? Uh, to me, Zach Hyman and Blake Coleman are, you know, in some ways, very similar players. Coleman, of course, is we've seen a lot of him in the playoffs the last couple of years. Hyman, we've seen a lot because they're on Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday night playing alongside Austin Matthews and that Mitch Marner. Hyman got, I think, an extra 600K a year and an extra year. Um, of those two signings, did do you like one more than the other? And, and where's the more risk? You have the, the, the exact dollars in term in front of you. I don't, and I don't Hyman, want to... Uh, just off the top of it, Hyman was seven at five point five, and Coleman was six at four point nine. Right. Well, I. It's funny. I'm. Uh, I immediately like that Coleman deal more. I think with guys like this, this kind of term, I worry about, and certainly the numbers. And they're are both not... twenty nine, by the way. So I mean, we're talking about like that seventh year for Hyman is uh, the thirty six year old year. Yeah, I just I can't find the value there um, on the back half of that. But I, so the the term, the the distance of that actually is a bit of a a struggle for me. So I like the shorter term for Coleman. I like the shorter AAV for Coleman. And I got to say, he's a player that opportunity-wise on a team like Tampa Bay, who's just so deep, I have every time in the world for him to thrive in an, an expanded role. He's a player I admired quite a bit in New Jersey, even before that. I think he has the sandpaper and skill to hang in a top six I think he can play big minutes. I think he can play special teams as well. I love the adjustments that New Jersey made against Winnipeg's power play when Coleman was a big part of that PK. He was essentially man-marking Patrick Laine in a way nobody had done. I just think he's such a highly aware, physical, smart player. That's the one of those that, that I would like more as a signing uh, if if I were Calgary. What did you make of um, 
all the moves that Stan Bowman made. And, you know, we the Seabrook trade, and again, you still need a capologist to figure out, okay, they get the cap space. They get Tyler Johnson for a guy that wasn't going to play. But again, Tyler Johnson's still at $5 million. I mean, good for Tampa for being able to kind of work these numbers around. And then, of course, the outlay that they throw to get Seth Jones and then signing Seth to a eight-year extension at $9.5 million per. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I thought they did so well to get out of their cap problems. You know, I mean, Edmonton paid a decent price to get Duncan Keith in a situation where I'm not sure that, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected the market to dictate that they do. Um, so I, I I thought they had quite a lot of opportunity. Clearly, they believe in, in Seth and Caleb Jones and were willing to make that swing. I don't know that that's a contract that ages particularly well either. I think that you know, I have I have time for Seth Jones being a flashier player than he is one that absolutely like helps you dominate. And I'm trying to figure out where Chicago sees its window at right now, what exactly they're trying to accomplish. So yeah, get break out the capologist and, and find the exact thread. I think that they're kind of moving in two directions at the same time here and made a big bet on a player that's really good, but I don't know about that 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 term in AAV either, I gotta say. Um, let's talk about the Central Division for a minute. Outside of Chicago, you just mentioned that. Um, Dallas has made some interesting moves. Ryan Suter's there. St. Louis is fascinating to me. They get Brandon Saad today. And I'll be honest, considering what we've seen thrown out, a five-year deal, maybe you'd like to have one year less at four and a half, though, makes a lot of sense. They just lost Jaden Schwartz, though. The Vladimir Tarasenko um, situation is fascinating right now. But when you look around the Central Division, outside of Winnipeg, who I think everyone would agree has taken a big step forward, um, who did you, of those teams that the Jets will be seeing in their division, who uh, who maybe impressed you with what they were able to do yesterday as well as leading into, basically since the expansion draft? I am not sure who I feel screams out at me as uh, did something that makes me feel like they're more dangerous than they used to be. I I feel like St. Louis is a place in flux. I I think Ryan O'Reilly is a, a darn near perfect hockey player. I don't know how long he can keep that up for. And if there's a little bit of a talent exodus and, um, you know, Pietrangelo goes out, Krug comes back in last year. I don't know if he hits the same uh, plateau uh, in, in St. Louis. So whereas, you know, after their Stanley Cup and they were on the way up with Berube and all of the like, I wondered if they were a team that would ascend to the top for for quite a long time. I'm not as convinced. I feel like things are a little bit in flux, especially, um, you know, losing losing players as they have at the same time. So that's that's what I'm not sure about. Um, Brown and Saad, I, that, that's that's a player I've liked at times. Nashville is a team that I thought that was right out of it, and they're, they're making some plays. Has I, I don't know. I, nobody's screaming out at me as, as more dangerous. I still fear Vegas. I still fear Colorado, despite their losses as well. I, I think that the cream of the Western Conference crop is still concentrated in a, in a few key places. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I sort of think, and I've got a lot of respect for Joe Sackick. He has hit a lot of home runs over the last few years, but in some ways I think maybe overplayed his hand a little bit in net and got burnt with Grubauer signing in Seattle. Most of the other goalies were gone, sort of left them holding the bag, and it forced them to give up Connor Timmins and a first-round pick for Darcy Kemper. And, you know, now they go in with Kemper and Francois on the books right now, both unrestricted free agents at the end of next year. And Darcy Kemper's had a lot of injury history. I mean, I think this was sort of the only option that he had, and he had to outpay, outbid Ken Holland in Edmonton 
to get Kemper in. But, you know, with all the incredible talent they have, and they got Makar locked up, and they bring Landeskog back, if they have issues in goal, I mean, you want to talk about an Achilles heel. That'll sink even the best teams if they don't have reliable net minding. And I'm not sure that Colorado's there yet. Yeah, we've seen the opposite of that in Winnipeg for a little while. We, we've seen <laughs> what an incredible goaltender can do to a team with flaws. The opposite can also be true. I believe you on that one. I have time for both of those goaltenders that they have, um, Franzuza and as well as Kemper. And I think that both of them have achieved high heights at their very best in small samples and, and things to that effect when healthy. Um, you know, I thought Franzuz was a good bet for Colorado long term, but Grubauer was such an ideal situation for them. Um, so they're they're definitely missing out there. And it's just it's a huge question mark. It's it's a question mark where the players involved have had some examples of success at the level that Colorado needs them to. But you just can't point at it and be absolutely certain. Um, and so, yeah, that's. That's an issue for me. It's something that they get a chance to make it, you know, two thirds of the way through the season and see how they've made out on that front. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it could be an Achilles heel. I still believe in the amount of firepower. I still think that that's a very dangerous team. Marat, a test of the athletic with us. Marat, before we go, I have to tell you, you've been uh, iconicized, if you will. I'm not even sure if that's a word. Uh, you know, we've got Remus's mute button, there's uh, Sean Reynolds' headband, there's Kenny's water bottle. There's Hustler's Diet Pepsi. We now have in the YouTube chat, Marat's bass guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, chanting, wondering when you're going to play him, to, if, you, if you've if you missed him while you've been gone. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. The, yeah, the we'll have to set up a special time for that one. <laughs> no, no doubt. Um, You've got some great pieces. The people, I'm sure most of our listeners and uh, viewers our athletic subscribers, if you are not, you're missing out big time. Uh, you've got a, a great, the, the depth chart. There was 1.0, 2.0, 4.0. is a work in progress. I imagine what you'll be doing over the course of the next few weeks is continue to evaluate where the Winnipeg Jets are. And, and probably the most interesting thing is figuring out how the Jets are going to handle this cap crunch now after adding uh, Dylan and Schmidt over the course of the last few days and still have these guys to sign. Yeah, that's the biggest question that I get on Twitter all of the time. Well, how is the cap going to work? How does the LTIR work with Brian Little? How is Winnipeg going to sort all these guys and keep it out? And yeah, I have to admit the long form of the story where I can break it down in charts, I feel like I can actually explain. And to your point of Andrew Kopp being the most interesting situation right now, there's so many ifs and ands and buts. What if it's an arbitration deal? What if it's a trade? All of those sorts of things. So yeah, there will be a 5.0 depth chart. There will probably be a 6.0 as well. Uh, one non-hockey question to leave. It's a big, big 24 hours for Canadian soccer. We've got the semifinal of the Gold Cup tonight. Canada's men's national team going against Mexico. And then I think it's four in the morning or tomorrow. The uh, the, the, the one thing I'm most invested in the Olympics is our women's soccer team, a battle against Brazil in the quarterfinals. How are you feeling about the Canadian soccer chances in the next 24 hours? Well, it's nice to finally see the men's program pushing up against some of the, the, the yes. really great teams. Yes. And, and it feels more sustainable. Like they've had nice gold cup runs in the past, but that felt like catching lightning in a bottle uh, for that men's team. I feel like the program that they're building is a, is a couple steps ahead of where, wherever it's been at my point growing up and watching and hoping. So I think that they're a lot more real. Meanwhile, the women's team has been real for a long time now and they've been competitive they have some of the best players on the planet and 
I mean, I know it's Brazil and I mean, they have a great heritage and, and, you know, Marta was the best player in the world for a good long while as well. I, I just, I like that Canadian women's team against just about anybody. And the one thing I will say about them still is I'm still seething over the delay of game call against the United States. Way Such back. bullshit. It was bullshit. Can I say that? Absolutely. It was bullshit. It was one of the worst calls I've seen in any sporting situation ever. I think that women's team got robbed and they're still great. They're still elite. I believe in them very much. Oh, that was an incredible self-muting as well. That was that was expert, expert work. Uh, Marat, welcome back to the peg. I have a cold 1919 for you on a patio of your choice, whenever you can make it happen. Uh, get back, reintroduce yourself to your lonely bass guitar, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, more great Jets coverage coming up in The Athletic and talking to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Great stuff. There he is, Marat Atesh. If you're not following him on Twitter, what are you doing at WPG Marat? And, of course, check out all of his great work. The latest one is the Jets off-season depth chart 4.0. Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon are in. So who's out on the defense and gets into a number of the things that we talked about with the Winnipeg Jets cap situation. Great stuff from Marat as always. And <laughs> that was uh, uh, that was a heck of a lot of fun. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, we've still got a few things to do. And actually, while I do that, I'm going to give a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. And we're going for that 1919. We might have to roll into our local BP because not only we'll be able to have some cold beers, we've also got this great summer menu that is welcoming people back to your local Boston pizza, including the honey dill fried chicken sandwich and the burger Italiano. And then when you get onto the patio or in the lounge, of course, some incredible summer cocktails, the bulldog margarita fishbowl, the white sangria smash, the peachy mojito royale, and the galaxy fishbowl, and some of those busy hard seltzers as well. Pop down to your local Boston pizza or get all the great tastes of Boston pizza for delivery or take out tonight. Um, shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. The Derby is coming up on Monday. Darren Dunn's going to join us tomorrow on the program. Uh, by all accounts, a great first three days welcoming fans back to the track. You can play VLTs there. The VLT lounge is open 9 a.m. to 12.15. The Terrace Dining Room is open as well. You have to make reservations. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Derby Day, of course, you'll be able to come down up to 50% capacity. Works just like a bomber or a gold eye game. You need to be double vaxxed. Show your ID. Boom, you're in and making some bets. I uh, I did catch one winner last night, uh, but still, I've been in a little bit of a slump lately. Remus, uh, did you uh, make anything happen last no. night with your selections from the program? No, I've been in the I've been in the tank uh, for a while. So I started Saving up our winners for Derby Day. I think I started off so hot. And then um, I've been uh, garbage like for the last like month. I'm still, I think I'm still up somehow. That's how well I was doing. Um, I'm pretty well, sure I mean, I'm like you nailed you nailed a massive twenty dollar bet on the first the, the first one the most <laughs> red. And then I was set. I was set after that. Uh, I'll check my account. I think I'm even. I'm um, I'm like basically even on the year. Uh, Mitch at Mitch WHT. Uh, it was cool seeing fans on the ASD live feeds. Uh, it certainly was. It's just like everything. It's just been bizarre watching all of these events that haven't had fans. Mm-hmm. And the track is one of the things that, I mean, it's just a rite of summer here in, in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, heading out, watching the horses, uh, getting some great food, having a couple pops and hanging out with friends. And that wasn't the case. And, you know, I got to give them so much credit for the way that they have persevered through this. 
Uh, it was brilliant by Darren Dunn to move the live racing for Winnipeg to Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. Um, the, the signal has been beamed around the world. So much more action in, and that's made a big difference to Assiniboia Downs. Uh, but at the end of the day, the biggest day of racing all year long is the Manitoba Derby. That's coming up on Friday, and we'll uh, set it up tomorrow with our good friend Darren Dunn. And uh, a shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake. They're getting the smoke right now too, Remus. I don't know if you woke up. I slept last night with my uh, with my door open. Like, I've got a, pa- a patio outside, so I just had the screen, so it's just some fresh air. I woke up uh, as if I was in the middle of uh, the 420 celebrations down at the ledge. Um, and they've been getting it out of Aikens Lake as well. But the planes are coming back in. If you're thinking about an incredible fishing experience, uh, you can check my Instagram or Twitter for some pics when we went out a couple weeks ago. Or check them out online at AikensLake.com. Or uh, drop a line to our friend Pitt Turen on Twitter at Aikens Lake. All right, Reem, we want to talk about a couple more things here on the program before we uh, finish it up. And mm. um, our cool bet odds today will go to the Olympic golf. And uh, right now, Victor Hovland is the favorite at 10 to 1. Uh, the numbers have really dropped. Colin Morcow, who is the 8 to 1 favorite, he's at 14. You got Paul Casey and Xander Shoffley at 11 to 1. Thomas Peters had a real nice first round, as did Carlos Ortiz. Uh, and Sepp Straka, who's the leader, is at 16 to 1 right now. Uh, the women's golf is going to be going on next week. And our girl, Brooke Henderson, the winningest Canadian pro golfer ever, is 20 to 1. Lexi Thomas, 18 to 1. Nelly Corda, the favorite, at 9 to 1. Uh, but let me get to this soccer right now. Let's see where our, uh, I guess that's technically football when we're talking about soccer. Uh, we've got the women's, the quarters are set. Wow, Canada's a pretty significant underdog in this one. Canada's taken on Brazil. I believe the world ranks, if I'm not mistaken, Canada's eight and Brazil's seven. Canada beat Brazil 2-1 in their last Olympic meeting. And Canada is a plus 275 underdog. A draw is plus 235 and Brazil is plus 110. I'm riding with I'm riding with Christine Sinclair and Des Scott in this one, folks. Uh, and that game is at 3 a.m. this morning, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The oh. other matchups, the other matchups, uh, Great Britain, Australia, Britain, a big favorite, minus 125. The Swedes versus the host Japanese, Sweden, a big favorite, minus 154. And interesting, I can't remember the last time USA wasn't a really prohibitive favorite. They're plus 130 going up against the Dutch. That's the final game tomorrow. And as far as the winner of the entire tournament, Canada's 15 to one and two times they've got to the quarters, but haven't been able to win. As we just talked with Marat, they got absolutely robbed by a complete BS call last time against team USA, but they've been there before. And this, you know, presumably is Christine Sinclair's last run. So I'm uh, there'll probably be a sprinkle on Canada at 15, one, but definitely on uh, the big match tomorrow. And then if we check it out, I guess we've got to go down to soccer. We've got the gold cup coming up. And uh, tonight it is Canada and Mexico playing. And that's the one thing. There are so many, uh, so so many. I'm just trying to find the uh, the Gold Cup odds. That's, I just found the, the Premier League, but that's not what I want. No, no. We need Canada and the Gold Cup. Maybe I'll just uh, do the search as opposed to going through 200 million of the... Uh, 200 million different soccer leagues around the world that they have it. 
Hmm. I'm not gold cup, not gold odds, gold cup. Oh, soccer. It's funny how they list it as football for the Olympics, but the other one is soccer. Yeah, here we are, CONCACAF Gold Cup. So it's Qatar and the USA, USA even money to win their match. That's uh, a little earlier tonight. And then 9 o'clock this evening, Mexico versus Canada. Canada, a massive underdog, plus 552. Mexico, minus 164, and a draw, 262. So I guess if we're going to make a soccer battle, we'll ride with the women. Certainly, our women have uh, been better for longer. But I have to say, I am excited about that win for Canada in the quarterfinals. And this is going to be a great challenge against the Mexicans tonight for a Canadian men's national team. Remo, other thing going on tonight, and we don't really get too much into the odds on it, although if you would like to peruse it at Cool Bet, it's all there. Uh, it's the NBA draft tonight. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about the players coming into the NBA draft, but I do know there's sort of a consensus top four available. And we all remember the Raptors getting the luck and moving up in the draft to pick number four. And after such a disappointing and really turbulent season for the Raptors, not to mention all the trade talk around the club, they'll get a chance to potentially pick a player that can be a big part of that core going forward for Masai Ujiri. Yeah, I'll have to wait and see. I know Woj has already spoiled the first pick, uh, saying, uh, I believe he, Cunningham? he said they're, they're what, strong. What's the word that you use? Like strongly considering picking Cade Cunningham. <laughs> Hold on. What's the, uh, what's the first? Let me just see. Oh, they've landed on a decision to select Cade Cunningham. That's what he said. So <laughs> that's their current decision. We'll see if they follow through with that. Yeah, Mitch is uh, Mitch is saying Jalen Suggs. He's sort of been a yeah. guy that thought, I guess it's Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and Evan Mobley. And, I mean, everyone knows. Now that the Woj has tweeted it, it's like the tweet from God. It's happening. Uh, but Green was 11-1, to 1, Suggs 20-1, to 1, and Mobley 20-1 to 1 to be the number one overall pick. Where it's interesting is the second, third, and fourth overall pick. And it seems like Jalen Suggs, who Mitch is all fired up in the chat, is the heavy favorite to be the fourth pick and go to the Toronto Raptors. The way the odds are, if they, and usually the bookmakers have a pretty good idea about how these things are going, uh, we'll go Cade Cunningham 1, Jalen Green 2, Evan Mopley 3, and Jalen Suggs number 6. So uh, we'll probably have a little recap on the draft tomorrow when we're uh, talking about the Raptors, what they were able to do. And I guess the other thing, speaking of the Raptors, Reem, is that there is the potential that we could still see some significant trades. We've heard rumors on a sign and trade involving Kyle Lowry going back to his hometown of Philly and potentially Ben Simmons, who most Sixer fans cannot wait to get out of town soon enough considering his performance in the playoffs, potentially starting over with the Raptors. Simmons is a former number one overall pick. Can't shoot, but man, he can play defense. He would bring a lot to the Raptor op uh, operation. From what I've read on Twitter, um, the Pistons are are asking, not Pistons, the um, Sixers are asking for some crazy, like, you know, haul for Ben Simmons, who everyone uh, hates after that, that thing. I think long-term, I think he'll be okay, but uh, disappointed a lot of people. Uh, in that uh, in the playoffs this year, I guess the other question about um the Raptors going forward, there has been some talk about Pascal Siakam potentially being moved, and you know he's got a big money contract. He did not have a great season, uh, but was a huge, huge part of their championship team. 
Um, Fred Van Vliet's name has been mentioned. It could be a wild offseason for the Raptors, but I think a lot of that may happen right in the next 24 hours as it relates to the draft. Because if they were making a big move like that, I wouldn't be surprised if they would try to acquire another top 10 pick and really kind of move in on a a changing of the guard uh, moving on from that 2019 championship Mm -hmm. team. Uh, Talking about baseball, Reem, tomorrow, Blue Jays back at home for the first time in two years. I know there is incredible excitement in Toronto to welcome the team back. And uh, even though we're still far, far away from T.O., I think a lot of Canadian fans are going to be fired up for that game tomorrow. And they'll have a new player in, still trying to add to that that bullpen. The uh, Jays acquired closer Brad Hand from Washington, getting some bullpen help from the Nationals, who uh, has turned into a trade deadline seller, especially now with uh, Stephen, was it Matt, Stephen Strasburg uh, out for the remainder of the season? Yeah, yeah, I took a Strasburg a mid-round pick in fantasy, and uh, I think he pitched like one game. So that was 21, just, saves, yeah. 21 saves and 26 opportunities for hand. Um, I don't yeah. know much about him. Riley Adams, the catcher, was sent to Washington, but now we know the needs for the Jays right now. They need some arms to get a few outs mm-hmm. in the bullpen, and um, they've got another guy to go in and uh, potentially take over that role. Yeah, the Jays are four and a half back of a wild card. We know they've needed to fix their bullpen for a while. I wonder if they could have done this a while ago. Brad Hand was awesome in 2020, um, and he's awesome before that, but this year... Um, it hasn't gone as well. His strikeout rate uh, per nine is down. His walks are up. Um, his uh, fielding independent pitching ERA is is up. So it, it hasn't gone well for him. But you hope that, you know, the Blue Jays have found guys like Robbie Ray, uh, you know, who have you know had success in the past and they bring him in and they can play well with the Jays. So I like Brad Hand in the past. He's having an, an offseason, but maybe he can find... Uh, some magic that he had with Cleveland uh, two years ago with the Jays. So I, I do, I do like the movie. He's a veteran closer, and the Jays definitely need some relief, relief help. All right, listen. Before we go, yeah. let's um, review the latest in the National yeah. Hockey League. We also, League, uh, for folks that uh, we also have a banner raising. You wanted to do. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll we'll go. We'll, sit, we'll the, save the, that. The banner raising is is at the end of the program. Everybody, uh, the Blues have signed Brandon Saw to that five year, twenty two million dollar deal. Uh, Phil Cheadle in the uh, New York signs a two year contract with the New York Rangers. Uh, Michael Raffle signed with the Dallas Stars, as well as Finnish defenseman uh, Hockenpah. Uh, and I guess the big news coming out of last night, Reem, was the Avalanche acquiring Darcy Kemper from the Coyotes, giving up a young defenseman and a first-round pick for pretty much the only available legit starting goaltender, albeit with only one year left of term on his contract and some iffy injury history. Yeah, I'm. that seems like a, they, they kind of screwed themselves, uh, Colorado waiting on uh, on Grubauer. And I'm not even sure if that was a good move for Seattle. So uh, we'll wait and see. Colorado, they have some changes. I mean, they lost Brandon Saad. Um, and I know there's some other oh, there's some other changes that they had. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, Donskoy was another one. I mean, those were guys uh, who gave them that depth that they didn't have the last couple of years. And then uh, what they made that uh, defense trade. Was it sending Ryan Graves away for some picks? Uh, yeah, they so just they assumed take him. that they would have lost him in the yeah. expansion. But then they also the lost. So then they also lost Donskoy. So like you lost two players there and Grubauer and Grubauer <laughs> who ended up signing as a free mm-hmm. agent with Seattle. So now, I, I know this. They 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 kept 
I think it was important in the short term to keep Landeskog. Eight years is a long time for a player that plays like that, but you know he's uh, probably going to be a lifetime member of the Avalanche. But the goaltending situation, as we talked about with Murat, is so crucial to a club. Grubauer was awesome last year, was a Vesna Trophy finalist. Whether he deserved or not to be top three, debatable, but gave the Avalanche what they needed to be a top team in the National Hockey League. And there's a big risk involved with uh, Darcy Kemper. And as we said, I think Takic sort of overplayed his hand and was forced into that because by all accounts, it really did get into a bit of a bidding war for Kemper's, Kemper's services between the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. And once they were willing to uh, include Connor Haley and a first-round pick, that was what got it done. Avalanche right now have only the first four rounds of next year's draft have only a third-round pick left after uh, all the deals over the last little while. Ooh, so, yeah, they're really going for it. I mean, they have the roster, too. They've had playoff disappointments the last couple of years. You know, maybe you do pick up a pick uh, some somehow. And I guess that's why they did that that deal um, What for the uh, to avoid, was it Ryan Graves um, getting selected in the expansion draft? It's funny, you talk about Edmonton. You know, I kind of like the moves getting Fogle and, um, and signing Hyman as a short-term. You know, long-term, we'll see how the Hyman deal goes. But, I mean, what? For, you know, they talk about injury history. Well, they just put them in LTIR and you get get the cow face back. But uh, as far as their defense, I mean, I don't think they improved their defense. You lost Larson uh, and, you know, you brought in Keith, you lost Bear and you re-signed Barry. I'm not so sure. And then you bring back Mike Smith uh, for a two-year deal at, what, 40 years old. So, uh, and they got Koskinen. I don't know why they didn't buy out Koskinen. I guess you figure for one year. There's really, they were there, buying out James Neal. Well, you can <laughs> I mean, I guess there's there's no point of buying him out because you still got to pay a guy um, to replace him. But yeah, sti- well, not to mention they, yeah. if they bought Koskinen out, they'd save three three million dollars this year, but mm-hmm. then they'd have a one and a half million dollar hit next year. And you know what? If Stuart Skinner or whatever can be that backup, I think you can sort of bury him in the minors, uh, you know, if need be. And, and to be honest, there's one year left on the deal. Yeah, the deal's a joke. I mean, it's way massive, massive overpay. That was Peter Shirelli's parting gift to the Oilers and to Koskinen before he got fired the next day. But at this point, you better just eat it for the one season. If it turns out that you have to play him, he's at least there. And then the money's off the books next year. And you can, you know, address that position more for a long-term perspective with Mike Smith in the fold for one more season. But back to Calgary Edmonton, as far as the two signings, I'll be honest, I like the Coleman signing more than Zach Hyman. I think Hyman will do fine. I think he'll be an excellent player to play up in that top six alongside either Dreisaitl or McDavid or potentially both of them. But man, I think for less money on less term, Blake Coleman going to Calgary for the type of team Calgary is, I, I like it more because you know him going into that top six, he's a guy that I think with more opportunity playing with better players and having more ice time that he didn't get in Tampa can certainly put up, I mean, he's had 21 and 22 goals seasons with New Jersey. I could see him getting in excess of 25, but also does so many of the other things that, you know, a Daryl Sutter team wants to do, playing physical, you know, solid on special teams, especially the penalty kill. And then on top of it all, he's coming from, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. And listen, I know there's no chart for that, but I do think that that will be valuable as Calgary sort of tries to change the, ID and personality of a hockey club that sort of got stale with that same core over the last few years, Reem. And 
You know, I'm not sure whether they're going to be able to move on Sean Monahan. His contract is somewhat problematic at over $6.3 million for two more seasons. But the addition of Blake Holman, despite the fact that they lost Giordano, and I think their blue line is definitely weaker, um, I think is a great addition, at least for the first few years of that deal. Like all the long UFA deals, we'll see how year five and year six looks. Uh, but for right now, Blake Coleman, outside of Lanniskog, who never made it to market, was the guy that you know I thought was the top available winger. And you know when you consider what Zach Hyman got, I thought Calgary did a pretty good job of getting him at under five mil. I want to know like what Cal- how Calgary is going to be different. I mean, they were a huge disappointment uh, last year. I thought. I mean, their top guys, Monahan, Gaudreau. I mean, they haven't played up to expectations. I thought they were going to trade Gaudreau, going to shake things up. It seems like to me, it's really going to be more of the same from Calgary and uh, as someone who took those guys a lot in DraftKings uh, that ended with disappointment. So I don't know what your friends and Calgary are saying about the flames, but I just don't see, I just don't see how it's, it's really changed a lot. I pumped the tires of Zadaroff for all the fans yesterday on the program saying, you know, what is Zadaroff? Well, he's six, six, he's two thirty five, and he's got a mean streak. And that actually is all true. Mm-hmm. Whether he can significantly play 20 plus minutes in the top four for Calgary well, the jury will be out. He certainly isn't going to be Mark Giordano, uh, but it was interesting. I mean, I really think that the Flames and the Oilers, you know, took it on the chin as much as any team in the expansion mm-hmm. draft. I mean, the loss of Giordano was massive. One year left on his deal at his age, I know. And you do get that cap space back to to use on, well, a player like Blake, uh, Blake Coleman. And, you know, we've talked about the Zach Hyman deal. I mean, it's certainly a, a, an aggressive move for Ken Holland, but it was a time for aggressive moves for Ken Holland. But it was the loss of Adam Larson on the blue line who could have gone in free agency anyways. But I think it really did catch them off guard. And they've sort of been playing catch up over the last few days. I'm still surprised that Ethan Bear was traded. I thought he, you know, had a lot of potential moving forward. Um, but again, there's a lot of moving pieces right now. And it's still out there. I know we'll be talking on the show later on in Calgary about the remaining free agents that are out there. I know the focus for us is going to be on some of the uh, bargain buys out there that the Winnipeg Jets might be interested in. In particular, Reem, I'll be interested to see if we find out anything about Matthew Pro in the next couple of days as to what's on the table for him and if he's going to come back at a lesser number to try to continue what he's been a big part of starting here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I like Matthew Pro. I mean, he was a pretty good year last year, stayed healthy. Um, he could contribute, you know, bottom two lines, and he scored at a great rate considering, uh, you know, his ice time. So uh, we'll see what he gets. I have no idea. You know, probably like a million, bit of a bit of a pay cut, but maybe there are a bunch of teams out there vying for his services, and he's just taking his time deciding, and maybe he'll end up with, uh, with a one-year deal, but... Uh, I think you'd like to see him back in a Jets uniform. You know, hopefully they can make it work, but it would have to be um, the Jets would have to be the one dictating the salary when you know, they're up against the cap here. Hey, um, before we get to our banner raising, the uh, <laughs> Tony D'Angelo met the media yesterday in yeah. Carolina in his new home. Uh, never in a million years did I think this question would be uttered in a press conference. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN asked Tony D'Angelo in his introductory press conference to the Carolina Hurricanes if he supported the insurrection of the Capitol on January 6th. (laughs) Can't believe that was asked, but I think, honestly, it's kind of a valid question, and I know Sarah Sivian of The Athletic. What if he did? What if he did? I was going to, 
Like, well, that, so... how can you sign that guy then? <laughs> I mean, how can you have? I mean, uh, clearly the guy um, is not right. I'll say that based on his history. And they asked him about that. And Sarah Sivian of the Athletic, she wrote a great piece saying, you know, the Hurricanes had a brand that people got behind, and this signing really damaged their brand based on his past, uh, um, you know, suspensions and you know, getting booted off the Rangers, the altercations with teammates, um, you know, slurs that he's used. Seems like he's not a very, very good person. And I think you, were, you want to have, you know, good people in your locker room. And they, they asked him, so what have you been done? And they really had no answer, Huss. They really couldn't give any detail. They no, said, no. He's, they said, oh, yeah, he's meeting with a group in New York. And a left group. It, a group. <laughs> just, and just, didn't, didn't go into any detail on, on anything. And so I don't know how you can take anything that he said seriously. And she put quotes. He said the same thing back when he was with the Lightning. And it didn't end well there. So I've got uh, bad news, though. I've yeah. got bad news for people that if if they don't think like if you ask those questions, like trying to eke out like, uh, you know, uh, right wingers, uh, Republican mm-hmm. guys, people that have less woke views than the majority of the media, mm-hmm. every single team would look bad or every single yeah. team would be painted out to be villains. So, well, he's going I, on it, on social media. has like uh, trying to fight fans outside Madison Square Garden. Like what kind of look? His is burner that? account, his burner account is hot right now too, telling everyone that just watch what D'Angelo does with the bunch of jerks who's going for it. I think it's NYR yeah. fan, and there's like seven numbers. Everyone knows it's D'Angelo's burner, and he was uh, he was getting after it yesterday. All right, for many years we have joked on the warm up back in the day uh, about crowning the off season champions after free agency. I never thought we would see the day. But in fact, today, as crowned by our friend Pierre Lebrun, we can officially say your Winnipeg Jets are off-season champions. Remo, raise the banner, would you? Brendan Dillon's in town. Nate Schmidt's in town. Nobody left. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Oh God! We how long? How long have we been waiting? How long have we been waiting to be able to to raise the banner? We want the Stanley Cup banner, but you can't win the Stanley Cup without doing some good work in the off season. Kevin Shoveldayoff, congratulations! It's official. The Winnipeg Jets are off season champions, and I have to say, Remus, I don't know how you did that, but the presentation of the banner raising on WST has just warmed my heart and made me that much more excited for training camp and getting back to the arena downtown and seeing this team on the ice next year. The banner raising, incredible! I'm laughing so hard. I spent so many. You're like, we got a banner raising. You said that, and um, I had such. I had I put that together. It took me a while. I figured I could do I could do crude photoshops too. But uh figuring out how to get the banner to raise. Oof, that was that was we'll tweet we'll tweet this one out. Well, I think this is that's going to yeah, be Yeah, you know what? Who is it? Travis. That might have to be the new background for the off season. Maybe I'll change from the uh, change from the bar just to have the the banner in the background. Anyways, we're joking, but honestly, it is an exciting time. I mean, I have spoken to so many Winnipeg Jet fans, hearing from you guys here in the chat. Um, people wanted to see some significant additions to the blue line, and credit to the general manager, he went out and got it done. It was the most eventful twenty four hours I can remember since the team got back here, and I don't think I can ever remember a time where. 
you know, more fans just were energized with uh, with optimism, positivity, hope, and excitement than we've seen over the last uh, few days. And a big part of that was the trades. I think the other big part of it, Remus, was hearing these guys. We had a great conversation with Brendan Dillon yesterday. We heard from Nate Schmidt, who completely lit up the crowd that he was talking to and the entire fan base with uh, just his personality and whatnot. And this is a pretty exciting time for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's credit to the job Shovel Dayoff did, the guys that have come here. And now it's time to go out, finish up, uh, figure out how it's going to get the rest of this under the cap and get out into what's going to be a meat grinder of a division. But I think a lot of people think that the Winnipeg Jets now have what it takes to legitimately compete in that division and hopefully at the end of the season for a Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. I'm big into the uh, math, Huss, so I've been seeing some projections that some of the the, uh, stats guys are putting out. Seems like, you know, Colorado's got spot one, but the rest of the Central, you got the Jets, um, Minnesota, Dallas, bit of a log jam there. I think the Jets could definitely come out on top. They do have the best goalie, solid D now, quality scoring. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on health, I think for sure, but... They're they're built to uh, withstand uh, the injuries, but uh, I think it's going to be they're going to be in a fight, and uh, we'll see how it goes uh, back in the central with uh, with those teams. I did tweet it uh, tweet it out, and some guy was like to me, "Oh yeah, I tweeted it out." Uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, who I'm a big fan of, he says he has Minnesota, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas, pretty much neck and neck. Chicago a bit behind Nashville, Arizona. One guy responded to me, and he said. Uh, I don't know why everyone's so gaga over this. I'm like, useful, sure, but not the Bible. I'm just like, yeah, man, it's just like one guy's projection day the day after free agency. Like, I'm just putting it out here. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Listen, give us a break. We're busy raising the off-season champions banner yeah. here in Winnipeg. Take a hike, pal. Yeah. Um, hey, a great show today. Thanks so much to Zeiss and Marat for joining us. Uh, special credit to Michael Remus and his art skills for the banner raising at the end of the program. Uh, don't forget, everyone, yeah. go to our Instagram. Is the is the uh, Little Brown Jug Breezy? No, I have to do yet? it. I have to do it after the show. I've been yeah, busy so uh, doing all this other stuff. Check that out after the show. Head to our Instagram page. You'll be able to uh, register just like we did the last time. And tomorrow at the end of the program, we'll head into the long weekend with another world-famous marble race, sort of. Partly celebrating 100 episodes, which was on Monday, uh, but also to give someone a great prize for the month of August from our friends at Breezy Bend at Golf and Country Club and Little Brown Jug. And speaking of Little Brown Jug, if you missed it earlier, free home delivery with our special promo code up until July 31st, WST100. Use it at littlebrownjug.ca. But we'll have that up on Instagram shortly. Make sure to get in on that tomorrow. We'll fire it up on the marble race to finish up the Friday program. <laughs> that banner raising. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. We might have to get that on our Instagram feed uh, as well. So, it's uh, going to have to be, uh, be up there. I got to tweet so it. So you can look for, you can share the banner raising with your friends, folks, but make sure to get in on that yeah. contest. We'll do it tomorrow in a uh, for a marble race. And uh, other than that, great show. Thanks to everyone for being with us. I got to skedaddle over to uh, Sports at 960 in Calgary with Steinberg for a few hours. Feel free to join us as well, but we'll be back here tomorrow. Jeff Hamilton's going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets moves. We'll also get an update from Bomber Training Camp. Next week's going to be all about the big game next Thursday, one week today. 
The CFL season kicks off. Hammer's going to join us. Darren Dunn's going to set up the Manitoba Derby for us. And we'll have more thoughts on free agency. Really looking forward to having Chris Meany. You know him from Mean Streets on Game Plus Network. He'll join us as well. So a great show, including a marble race to finish up the week. We'll do that tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube. Thanks to everyone consuming on the podcast. Do us a favor, rate and review. Before you go, folks, hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. And... Make sure you've got your notifications turned on so you don't mm. miss us uh, when things like yesterday happen. We go on two hours early for a double show. You want to make sure you're going to know when we do go on. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.